It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and we're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. That's what Farmer Friday is all about. You can call us at 844-44-AG-PHD with your agronomic topic or question, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. I'm Darren Hefty. I'm joined by my brother, Brian. And uh, really, really excited. I can't believe it's Friday already, Brian. It's This week went fast. <laughs> uh, sure. All right. So what I get excited about every Friday is just talking to farmers, number one, and answering farmer questions. I, I mean, we talk about this all the time, but, I mean, there are just so many things when it comes to good agronomy and good agronomic practices I was just working on some stuff here a little bit ago uh, with fertility and weed and insect and disease control, and there are a lot of things. So anyway, unless you have anything else, I think we need to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, let's jump in. It's the mailbag! All right, got this question that came in from Clayton in northern Illinois. He said, actually got a couple of questions for you guys. First of all, uh, looking for... uh, herbicide a good post-emerge herbicide i can use in winter wheat i want to control some grass and broadleaf weeds like water hemp thistle and ragweed water hemp thistle and ragweed um so we have really liked widar match there's also husky fx right those are really our two primary for for the broadleaves for the broadleaves and he wants to get grass and broadleaf and that's one of the challenges clayton when you want grass and broadleaf control adding the grass killer to the broadleaf product does take away a little bit of that grass fighting activity so two shots is better than one but if you want to do it all together uh you could do something like husky complete you could do resivant that's probably what i do yeah there's a number resivant Reservant's really good too. Yep. Uh, okay. Then his other question but, was, but honestly, oh. in, in for his weed spectrum, if it's me, I'm probably doing the husky effect or husky complete, with the understanding that you would need some stinger in there if you want to do a better job on the thistle. Okay. Uh, then when we look at uh, his other question, he said, what are some good post-emerge choices? I have non-GMO sweet corn, but I've got water hemp and other pigweeds out there. I'm wondering, can I use Lotus? The answer is yes. Can I use Outlook? The answer is yes. And can I use Brawl? Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, also, would there be a better HPPD to use than Lotus? Uh, well, Brawl, if I remember right, it's just dual, correct? Metallochlor, right? I think you're right on that. I'm just going to look that up just to double check. Yeah. Because there, yeah, I'm 99% sure. Okay, so what were your questions? Is there something better than... Yeah, it's S-Metallochlor, oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. uh, so with the group 15s, is Outlook better or is Brawl better? Not a whole lot of difference there. A little bit more broadleaf no. control no. maybe with the Outlook, but it's not a huge difference. Not much. Uh, yep. And then what do you think about Lotus versus Impact or any other HPPDs? I do think Lotus and Impact are both a little bit easier on the crop than Miso, uh, in my opinion. They but, are, for sure. Yeah, Impact, we think, is the safest to the sweet corn. So that's a lot of times why guys are running Impact, and they'll even run a little higher rate, too, sometimes. Yeah, the other thing you can uh, always do is throw a little atrazine if you want. That's what I was just going to say. Yep. The other thing you didn't mention was atrazine. So if you throw just a little bit of atrazine in with any HPPD, 
it really ramps up the performance. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Clayton, and good luck to you. I got this one that came in from Robert over in Illinois. Uh, he said, I got uh, some herbicide program questions for you guys. Last year, we used Anthem Max on all our soybeans and some of our corn for early post applications. This is our first time using Anthem Max, and we're pretty happy with it. Uh, but on corn, here's what we did. We followed up with that with Miso, a half a pound of atrazine, and sometimes added in some Power Max if we needed it. What do you think about that on corn, first of all? We're typically dealing with some water hemp escapes, uh, looking for some cheaper options, if possible. Uh, what do you guys also, what do you think about tough uh, included in with that meso application? Well, I mean, the cheapest way to go is just meso and atrazine. If that doesn't do it for you, adding some tough is really good. So, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm certainly fine with that. If, you you wanted to if you were willing to spend more money and you have an absolute disaster for weeds a lot of times we talk about status but it doesn't sound like he's having that big of a challenge correct yeah yeah i don't think so and then here's the other thing i i'm not a big fan of anthemax on corn i, I just don't like cadet on corn if you get not post for sure yeah right. post emerge if you get some dew on the leaves or if you get a light rain sometime later that day it can wash all that cadet down into the whirl and make that whirl all soggy and then you get this rat tail and it, it just it it can really hurt you on corn. I, I just am always cautious yeah. about cadet. Yeah, nope. when you're talking non-GMO, or as we call it, conventional corn, we usually talk full rate of a group 15 pre, so full rate of whatever you want, dual, surpass, harness, outlook, zidua, something. Yeah. Okay, let's switch over to the beans, because you said on the beans, pre-emerge, they're using metolachlor plus sulfentrazone plus metribuzin, and that's not a bad program, I would switch out the metolachlor for some prowl if you could. Uh, this is in Illinois, but he's doing it pre-emerge. Uh, is that line I-80, where north of I-80, you got to do it pre-plant? Yep, um, yep so that's correct. You might, you might make that but There's no change. reason why he can't do it pre-plant. I mean, that would be our advice. We like to get the yellow out there, and then if you still have weeds or you're worried about it, throw the group 15 early post. Yeah, he said he's doing Anthem Max Post, then he's coming back with Liberty at 36 ounces with 3 pounds of AMS. Uh, you can bump that Liberty yep. up to 43 if you get bigger than a couple yep. inch tall weeds. Uh, and then he's just yep. asking about adding Femesifen in potentially on the soybeans. And what you could do is is you could switch out the Anthem Max for Warrant Ultra if you wanted to have Femesifen uh -huh. in there instead of the Cadet. But uh, either way is fine. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Robert, and good luck to you. Pigweed is certainly a big challenge. We get a lot of questions about pigweed. If if that's not the question you're thinking about today, well, it's Farmer Friday. So just give us a call with your question at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. 
Bale Hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5EC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgium Crop Protection. Maverick corn herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us. Take it from agronomy manager Nate Honek. We've seen tremendous weed control that was sprayed in dry, hot conditions with uh, very little rain within two weeks after application. Very easy application. Definitely tank mix well with the various products we used. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick corn herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. We've been getting a lot of buzz about, hey, are you guys going to be at Commodity Classic next week? And uh, hey, what what's going on down at Commodity Classic this year? So we got Brandon Whipfond with us right now. He's actually the Commodity Classic co-chair and he's from just down the road from our farm, not very far. How you doing, Brandon? Doing well. Good to be with you. Well, this is one thing that's pretty cool. My wife and some of our friends have been just looking for entertainment options in the evenings in Houston. They're like, my goodness, with that rodeo down there, there's so much to do in Houston. Commodity Classic's going to be a blast. It absolutely is going to be. I'm so excited. You may recall that last year in Orlando, we set a record for attendance. And this year, I don't know if you saw the uh, press release that we sent out. We're actually 30% ahead of where we were this time ahead of this time last year, basically two weeks out from the show. So things are really stacking up to be uh, a good time down there in Houston. And as you alluded to, plenty to do in that town really encourage people to, to check out all that Houston has to offer. Well, one of the questions, so we had a couple of friends that, that just made the decision about a week ago that they were going to go, and they're like, man, we can still find hotel rooms relatively close to the convention center. They were kind of surprised by that. And I'm like, well, did you notice the Houston Astros play right there too? And they get quite a crowd <laughs> when they have games, so I'm not surprised by that, but there are good hotel rooms available. You can still sign up for Classic. Uh, I mean, there's still time to make that decision. Absolutely, and there and it's walking distance. Um, you know, certain large cities that have convention centers, it, it's it's quite a hike between the hotel and the convention center. Here, uh, the vast majority of our attendees are going to be just a short walk across the street from the convention center. It's it's really convenient and a great city. It really has. I've found that it really fits our style of event very well. I think people are really going to see that. 
I know a lot of folks have been to Commodity Classic before, and oftentimes once you've gone one time, you realize, oh my goodness, there's so much to see, do, learn, there's great farmers, all these things. But for for folks who haven't gone to a Commodity Classic before, uh, what a great opportunity this year in Houston. There's two major airports there. The flights are reasonably priced. The the hotels, as you mentioned, are within walking distance of the the event. It's really nice. But Brandon, what do you tell folks that say, I've never been to one before. Uh, Why should I go? Well, on Wednesday, the first day of the event, at noon, we're going to have a first-timers lunch. And so that would be the very first thing I would tell them. If it's your first time at Classic, be sure you go there. So I'm going to be there. Several of our farmer leaders are going to be there. We're going to touch on a lot of the things that if you've never been to Commodity Classic, you might not know. You know, we'll, we'll basically you know, tell them everything that, that, that's in store for them in, in the coming days. And so that's, that would be my first thing. And then I would really encourage first-timers to take a, take a look at the schedule and plan your time because there's, there's, almost, there's so much going on, you're really going to have to be efficient to make sure that you get to talk to everybody that you want to and see all the things you want to, you know, come up with that plan early in the week so that you're not scrambling toward the end. That would be my advice. Yeah, there is a lot to do, and and certainly there's plenty of places to get information along the way. It's not something where, oh, I'm at a disadvantage because I haven't been there before. No, it's it's not hard to figure out, and you're going to be pretty excited because you're going to see just about every company that you're doing business with represented there from equipment companies, chemical manufacturers, seed companies, and so forth. It's a tremendous trade show. Uh, the other thing, Brandon, that I always like is, like you had mentioned, a first-timer's lunch. I just think the lunches are great because... Because there's so many farmers from all over, you just get to meet so many people, and the conversations uh, to the side are just fantastic, too. They absolutely are. The networking is fantastic. Really want to touch on one other thing. We do have our own app, the Commodity Classic app, and we are going to be providing free Wi-Fi across the entire trade show floor this year. So really want to make sure people get that app downloaded and have your phone fully charged because uh, that, that phone is really going to be your... Uh, your map, your ticket, and it'll be printed maps as well, right? But uh, but it's really going to be important for your show experience. I want people to be aware of that ahead of time as well. Yeah, lots to do at Commodity Classic. Uh, again, if if you're interested, it's coming up. It's next week, so we're we're right there. Well, it's February 28th through March 2nd. I shouldn't say next week necessarily, but but yeah, it's, but yeah. it's coming up here later this month. Uh, that's in Houston at the George R. Brown Convention Center. Uh, so anyway, we'd love to have. Uh, All of you say hi to Brian and me. We're going to be speaking down there and also to our friend Brandon Whip here, who's who's Commodity Classic co-chair this year. Brandon, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck to you at the show coming up. Thanks, Darren. You too. Looking forward to seeing you. You bet. Got Rich with us right now over in southern Minnesota. How you doing, Rich? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good, good. What can I do for you? Well, I got a question. I was talking to one of the representatives at your field day about Zyway, and he made a comment um, that uh, Zyway would, would possibly be labeled for soybeans this year. Um, have you heard anything, or is that not true? Or No, that is true. Zyway, Zyway is something that you can do for soybeans, and okay. what, they're, what they're seeing with it is great control of frog-eye leaf spot, which is starting to be more of an issue now up here in, in South Dakota, Minnesota, northern Iowa. We're seeing it just about every year. 
Uh, also a septoria brown spot, which we pretty much do see every year where we see some yellow leaves on the lower part of the plant. And then one that a lot of folks haven't been talking about, but it's becoming more and more of a challenge, charcoal root rot. So it's labeled on charcoal as well. I, I, I don't know what other diseases it's going to give control of. We've noticed in corn that, that we're getting some pretty nice control on more diseases than just those. So I would assume on the soybeans there, there may be more added to the label down the road here as well. Well, I'm think I'm going to try it on some acres and see what happens. I guess. Yeah. Um, other question I got for you uh, on corn herbicide. I've been using uh, Realm Q with a quart of generic glyphosate, and then about a half a pound of atrazine when the corn is maybe two, three inches tall. And I've been having pretty good luck with it over quite a few years. But I remember I thought you guys said something about Realm Q. You weren't overly crazy about it. It wasn't. Uh, it, it was, I just don't remember exactly what the deal was. Is there something I should try differently? or? Well, it's not It's not perfect on all the grass species, but if you're adding some glyphosate with it, you're really cleaning up anything it misses. So, okay. yeah, if things okay. are working for you and it's reasonably priced, then, then you sure can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. You have a good rest of your uh, winter, and we'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks a lot, Rich. Really appreciate the call. Yeah. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and questions, 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, and we've had a number of questions come in. This one is from Nick down in central Kansas. He said, I heard you guys talking about excess lime potentially causing issues with base saturation numbers. Can you talk about it just a little bit more? We've got soils with high excess lime, uh, 400 to 500 parts per million of potassium, and our base saturation is only 3 to 4%, wondering if that is even accurate. Hey, thanks, Nick. We really appreciate the, the question. Yeah, the, the excess lime is kind of interesting. In your soil, if you've got excess lime, what you're going to notice is little white specks in the soil. And it is actually just lime floating around there. Uh, most cation exchange capacity readings and, and then, of course, base saturation numbers uh, are calculated. Uh rather than measured with a hydrometer. And because there's so much free calcium in the soil in this excess lime situation, the soil just can't hold it all. And the cation exchange numbers by calculation become way overinflated. And it also drives up the calcium number in the base saturation test. And since base saturation all adds up to 100, that means it's going to artificially represent the other base saturation numbers lower than they should be. So yes, that that is something I'd look at. Yeah, you got quite a bit of potassium there. Uh, I don't know what your CEC is and all that, but you can sure send us a soil sample if you'd like us to look. But I would say odds are pretty good. You got more than 3 to 4% on your base saturation. That What I would suggest, if you wanted to find out for sure, um, you could send in a test to uh, Kinsey Ag Labs and have them take a look and see what it is. They'll run a test called cation displacement test. And that's something that we, like I say, we were talking about on the show. Uh, you run the cation displacement test, you'll see a lower part per million on calcium, and then you'll see the base, base saturation numbers and cation exchange numbers change accordingly. Hey, thanks for the question, Nick. We really appreciate that. And it is Farmer Friday, so if you've got a question, we'd like to hear yours as well. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. 
That's why an agroliquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every season, you're collecting yield data on virtually every acre of your farm. But what good is your data if you never use it? Put it to work with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal, ensuring your crops get what they need right where they need it, no matter what equipment you run. Go to Verify.com to find an expert to help you get started. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday, so our phone lines are open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head up to Ontario, Canada. Got Richard with us right now. How's it going, Richard? Not too bad. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. What can we help you with? So my issue is, is I have this red top kind of grass in my winter wheat. Um, and it only comes when I have like a wheat type, like a cereal in the field, and it just makes a mess of the field. Um, what could I use for a herbicide to control it? Um, that being said, I live in Canada, so we don't have as much good stuff as you guys have. 
Uh, yep, it's different, and some of the names are different and that type of thing. What species is this red-topped grass? Is it red top itself, or is it something different? I think it's red top itself. Okay, and that's a perennial, and uh, that's a good question. I don't have a great option for controlling perennial grass other than uh, than a burn down prior to seeding. Um, yeah. That's that's about all I got nope. is is Roundup in a burn down. That's the only thing that I'm aware of that works. Yeah, it just makes a mess of the wheat. Like it was an old pasture. Um, we've oh, been sure. cropping it for the last ten years, and yeah, like Still beans and corn through. is great, but yeah, yeah. A lot nope, of times, I appreciate your time. Yeah, a lot of times, it is it cool season where it's it's tougher in the early season, or are you seeing it later? later in the season so before yeah. we go to combine um it's there and just makes a mess of the straw as well so um yep. yeah that's that's the double challenge that and I'll just, <laughs> yeah i wish I'll i had a better answer the... for you richard <laughs> no that's good i try anyways right you bet absolutely well hey appreciate the call and good luck to you yep you have a great day Got Robert with Robert in Illinois right now on the line. Robert, I, I'm sorry I answered your herbicide questions already. We we jumped right into that. We were all excited. We get excited about weed control and uh, and different herbicide options here on the show. But I understand you got another question too. Yeah, I, yeah. Ironically, I almost called in yesterday not knowing what the subject matter was, and and uh, but uh, but I got another question today. Sure, so, sure, absolutely. Uh, so on our planter, we're doing. Uh, what they call two by two by two, okay. uh, putting on approximately 60 units of N and some sulfur and some phosphate uh, and probably zinc. Uh, I'm, I'm got a question in regard to whether you'd have a dollar amount. Um, I think we get the most bang for our buck off of two by two, but okay. on it, capable of putting in furrow in and have been for different things for a series of years, but. As far as whether, at what dollar amount, do you just call it quits and say that's enough? But we've been putting in insecticide. Um, uh, I'm wanting, and some micronutrients, uh, uh, zinc, manganese, and copper, and sugar. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering about, we, we, this year we're, we're talking about adding just a gallon of uh, low-salt uh, phosphate um, fertilizer in for just to help them get the seed out of the ground and uh but what's your thoughts on adding you know as long as it is in a couple of dollars per acre realm would it, do you think pgrs would be a value and would you have a thought on whether a person could put a half a gallon or a gallon of potassium acetate in that mix or do you know anything about mixing problems with potassium acetate well the, the mixing issues that might be a question too uh but i'd say this you got a bunch of stuff going on in the two by two i love keeping a majority of the fertility over in the two by two on each side of the row rather than putting it in furrow like you're talking about maybe putting a gallon of a low salt phosphate in the in the furrow i'm all for that i got no issue with that and insecticide absolutely i got no problem with that um you know i i would do uh, what you're doing with that two by two program? Yeah, I mean, what what is your uh, soil like? Is it heavier soil? Is it sandy soil? Um, we don't have any sand, but uh, we got some. For Central Illinois, we have some pretty heavy soil, but we okay. also farm some on a glacier moraine where it, it's kind of variable. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Then, then I'm fine putting a bunch of stuff over in the two by two. I, I just don't like to put a whole lot of stuff right in the furrow if I have that other option. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what we're, we're, we're actually three inches away and we're, we're putting it on with a 360 bandit so that it's, it's not actually two inches deep. Yep. Um, primarily the, the nitrogen and the sulfur over there, and I—I I mean, like I said, if I—that's the last thing that we would drop out if we were going to, you know, cut costs on anything. But uh, um, now, one thing that's changed a little bit is we're planting our soybeans first, and that's resulted in our corn sometimes going in somewhat warmer soils. But it, the last two or three years, it seemed like that we've hit hit a window on our corn our first window in corn planting after the soybeans are in has been right ahead of a cool, cool wet, you know, time period. But, um, so, yep. Who knows, you know, who knows what this year will bring. It might be the exact opposite. That's the fun about farming, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's only going to be different. <laughs> yep. No, I think that'll be great. I, I like it. I like the plan. I think it'll be fun. Okay. Uh, I appreciate your time. I I try to not call in any more than once. Oh no, you're fine. <laughs> you can so, you can yeah. call in whenever. That's totally fine, Robert. We we got no issue trying I to. Help. Got, I, I never have got a bill from you yet. <laughs> well, when we can talk about planting in February when it snowed this morning yeah. here, that's a, that's a good thing. I like thinking about planting much better than scooping snow. I was I was actually moving some dirt yesterday afternoon, early this morning. Now. It's, now we got three inches of snow on the ground. That's kind of slowed me up a little bit. Yeah, there were there were a number of guys we've talked to in different parts around the country that got into the field and actually got a little work done out there uh, before this last chunk of weather came through. And that that's cool. Every little bit we can get done just makes it that much easier next spring. That's right. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Robert. See you. Bye bye. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. Also, you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got this one in from Robert. He says, all right, guys, what are your thoughts about mixing micros in when we make our herbicide applications in crop? Well, you certainly can, Robert. You just you just don't want to get carried away with too high a rate. Uh, the liquid forms of micronutrients are pretty available for the most part, uh, but there are definitely differences between products and companies. So uh, if you haven't done that before, I would start to start on the small side and do some experimentation to make sure that things are going to pay for you. I'm curious how you're deciding which micros you're going to put in. Are you taking plant tissue tests and looking at what's low? Uh, are you taking soil tests and you just didn't have a way of getting micros out other than doing it foliar? Uh, just kind of curious about how you're making those decisions. But, yeah, a lot of those micros could be mixed in with herbicides. If you've got something that's that's really hot, and this is something to ask your fertilizer suppliers, hey, is this going to add leaf burn in any significant way? Most of the time we're using pretty low rates of those micros, and it's no problem at all. Uh, but just, just double-check as you're, you're getting those products that you aren't going to create any big issues. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And, and yeah, it'll be fun uh, addressing those micros. We've seen some, some good help on our farm when we've gotten into some of these dry, stressier years with stress tolerance. We've had little better results when we've been adding the micros in. So, so we do like making sure our micros are up to snuff. The other thing is going to be the timing, too. I should mention that, Robert. Uh, 
I really like, like on corn, for example, I like getting those micros out by V1, V2, maybe V3 on the late end, uh, just so I've got them all out there. They're so important for many of the processes and functions inside the plant. Having those micros there uh, is going to be important, and especially if you do get hot and dry later, then it's tough to drive those nutrients into the plant. So we, we really like that. The other thing we've liked is adding products like Nutex EDA that have some fulvic acid in there to help try to drive them into the plant a little better. Uh, just just something else to think about there. I know it adds another couple of bucks on, but uh, and some of those foliar micros, I should say, may have fulvic acid in there or some other delivery mechanism to help drive them into the plant to get a little better response. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate it. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. We'll be right back taking more of your calls and your emails, radio at agphd.com, after this. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash basic. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us, take it from farmer Rob Schaefer. Residuals have become a big part of our chemical programs with trying to battle water hemp and also mare's tail is our big one. It's done a real good job of controlling those. You don't have to you know, put a bunch of gallons in your sprayer, cover a lot of acres that way. Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions. What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One Herbicide, an Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next-Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. On your farm, you spend thousands on fertilizer every season. But how do you know if any nutrient you apply is paying for itself? Build a fertility plan like never before with Verify. With Verify's soil point to yield analysis, you can automatically see the connection between your soil test and yield data to see which fertilizer dollars will make you money and which won't. Go to Verify.com to get started today. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. 
Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. And our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Ted down to Tennessee. Got Josh on with us right now. How's it going, Josh? Doing pretty good. We just got in from the Farm Machinery Show and getting excited about spring coming. Absolutely. Yeah, we got a few of our folks that were down at the Farm Machinery Show, too. Lots of stuff to see. Lots to do down there, for sure. Oh, yeah. So what are you thinking about this year? Do you get some new ideas? Are there some things you're going to change up? Well, we're debating about uh, doing some 30-inch spacing on soybeans. Uh, we did some, we've always done 15-inch here, and uh, we feel like maybe these 30-inch beans might bush out a little more and maybe a little more yield potential. What do you guys think? That is interesting. You know, everybody's got a different idea on that. Uh, I was talking to somebody that said, man, I got to be 15-inch row beans. That's the only way it works for me. And and then I was just talking to a guy uh, in Pennsylvania, and he's like, yep, we're all switching to 30s out here because we have less disease pressure. We had better push. We had less surface crusting issues, and, and our stands are better in 30s. So I don't know. I guess we've done both on our farm. We, we are doing 30-inch rows now, and part of the reason why we got a little more airflow underneath the canopy and we had less disease issues. But um, I, I think the, the yield potential is there when you look at what, what kind of uh, beans guys are planting that are getting 100 bushel plus. A lot of those are in 30-inch rows. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you pick the right variety that has good standability and bushes out a little bit. I think you're going to be happy. Well, we have a problem with lodging and uh... – especially on some of our manure ground soils and uh, just they get tall and lanky and squat and but we um, we had 104 bushel uh, on one of our plots this year and set a new Tennessee state record outstanding here on the farm and we I, I just feel like 30 inch beans would have maybe had done better this year yeah well it's sure possible you know, you bring up a good point because you guys have crushed it on corn yields too. We, we've watched what you've done on that. It's just re- been really impressive. Congratulations to you guys on what you're doing on corn also. Uh, when when you think about corn though, man, guys are pouring the coals to it. And if there's any of that left for the next year, uh, yeah, it can end up being some lodgy beans. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> there there are a lot of differences in, in uh, soybean varieties too for standability. Do you guys do, I, I'm trying to think, are you doing Enlist or are you doing Extend Flex there? Extend Flex. Yeah. I've got nothing against Enlist. That's just what we've been using. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't blame you. That's that's a good trait. There's nothing wrong with that, and then you don't have to worry about drift or anything like that either. So that that's kind of a nice benefit. Um, 
when when you think about the extend flex beans and i've watched that bear breeding program for a long time and also there's uh, ms tech and other companies syngenta have, have got some good extend flex lines too bears really come a long ways now they they had some floppy ones i would say early on in their first couple of classes but but they're getting better so newer varieties might help on that too where you find something that stands even better because I, I get it you got to pump a lot of fertilizer in to get 100 bushel beans that doesn't just happen right. by accident <laughs> well we had one probably the best year we've ever had as far as across the board beans and corn but um still learning these beans these beans are uh, they're tough to figure out yeah yeah they're a little trickier no doubt about it but uh, the reward's pretty nice too you get a few more bushels of beans it it adds up for dollars pretty quick it does. It does. And we're going to need it this year. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with uh, an agronomist over in Minnesota this morning, and, and he said, uh, you know, what do you think about this? He goes, with crop prices down, I got to have more bushels. He goes, but then on the other hand, I'm thinking, man, inputs aren't exactly free. And <laughs> some of them have come down in price, but some haven't. And he's like, I, I, I'm just really struggling with that of deciding what I use and what I don't. And I kind of went back to some old advice my dad had coming out of the 1980s. He said, you just can't cut things that are making you money. If you got something that gives you a return that, that you got to do it. How do you do that, Josh? How do you measure return on investment when uh, it isn't just like one thing you did and all of a sudden you got 104 bushel beans in Tennessee? There's probably <laughs> 20 or 30 decisions that you had to make along the way to get it all just right. That's that's correct. Uh, I've got a guy, Billy Carter, helps me a lot with this program we do, and uh, and we just we stick to the program, and and it's not you know not a very expensive program, so uh, it just it's like fungicide. Yeah, there's going to be years a farmer don't want to put fungicide, but you know on those dry years, I didn't want to put fungicide, but. I think it's going to pay year in and year out, even with these prices. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I I, I often talk about it. I look at if I'm going to do this for the next 10 years, yeah, it's probably not going to pay all 10 of those years. But on average, uh, I'm going to get a pretty nice return on my investment by, by making the right decision there, keeping my plant healthy, avoiding some issues like frog eye or other things that can pop up and, and take away some yield pretty fast. Right, right. Well, we've been thinning our soybean stands down the last few years, and uh, and I think that's helped helped some, especially on the lodging. But we still, when we dairied here, we've got all this cow manure that we've applied, and uh, I don't know that bean just wants to get tall and lanky and go down, and uh, I don't know. We're still learning, trying to get a bean that'll stand here. So yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt about I'm just, that. I'm just thinking the 30-inch might help here, but I, I've never planted 30-inch beans here. So, Yeah, I'll tell you what, Josh. Uh, I might give you a call off air here and talk about that a little bit more and see if we got got any other ideas along that way. But, but yeah, if we can get over that lodging, uh, that, that definitely is going to help you on the yield and make it a little more fun too. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate having you on, and and congratulations for just crushing it this year with with yield. You guys <laughs> well, did a great I job. That. I appreciate that. I appreciate what y'all do. Oh, thanks, thanks. Well, uh, love to talk to you again down the road. All right. Good talking. You bet. 
Got our friend Tony Wendler who's traveling south today. Tony, did it get too cold up here? This little bit of snow scared you out of Iowa? Hey, I just think it's awesome that uh, down here where I'm at right now, it's in the 60s, and you guys have that cold weather, and you're going to warm it up when I get back next week. Yeah, we'll time it just right for you. I appreciate you guys doing that, taking care of it for me, and I'm... uh, I, I think I just hit this perfect. <laughs> Every so. once in a while it works out. Usually if I ever go south, then uh, that's when it's really nice back home. So, uh, yeah. yeah, this time you're missing out on that last little skiff of snow. But, you know, we still got, uh, what, six, eight weeks here before planting is going to start for anybody up here. So you got a little bit of time to, to get out. What uh, What's happening down south? You're just taking a few days for, for some relaxation? Came down to the machinery show, and then uh, I've got a son in the Air Force, and today's his 40th birthday. Oh, well, happy so birthday. We are we are down here to uh, celebrate his birthday, and that starts here in a little bit when he gets, uh, uh, when he gets off. So uh, we're, uh, we're looking forward to that, and I, I can't believe I've got a son 40 years old. Wow. Yeah, that goes fast. What's his first name? Uh, it's John Ross. Okay. Well, he is a he, he's a lieutenant colonel, and uh, he's down here. They're giving him another master's degree. Wow! Wow, that's that's so, awesome. That's awesome. You know, yeah. this is one thing that's really cool that I, I don't know how many folks are aware of the the percentage of people serving us in our armed forces is so much higher coming from rural areas than it is in the big cities. Uh, there, there's just a ton of great folks uh, that that grew up on a farm or grew up in a small town. With, with that kind of work ethic and that kind of patriotism. Uh, happy birthday to John Ross. Happy birthday to him. Uh, and thank, thanks so much for the service. We really appreciate it. I will pass that along to him. It's like you say, you know, one of the things John Ross is, is uh, the people, they, they recognize the uh, work ethic and the way the, the people were brought up that came from rural areas. Yeah. And what an awesome... Uh, awesome impact it has well and you see it as as uh, folks like that move up the ranks to to lieutenant colonel and 40 years old already oh it goes so fast hey tony we're gonna let you run enjoy your family and uh, and happy birthday to your son once again it's farmer friday on ag phd radio we'll be right back after this What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One Herbicide, an Instinct Next-Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next-Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine 
correlate this info to soil test points and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. If you have a question for us, we would be happy to take that at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, I want to talk a little organic matter here. We got a question that came in from Nick. And let's get that going. Uh, okay, Brian, this one's Nick from Iowa. He said, Got a couple farms that have to get the whole field round baled stalks coming off every year for livestock. Uh, the farms do get rotated to beans every third year. What is the best product to put back on the ground to replace it, and how would you apply it? I want to keep my organic matter levels up even though we're baling off these stalks. What would be your strategy? If you want to keep the organic matter levels up, you got to go to no-till. I don't know what else to say uh, as far as that goes. And as far as what you're going to need to replace, you just have to pay attention to the soil test because the thing is the amount of nutrients in those stocks are going to vary mainly depending on rainfall, but also partly depending on how long it's been since harvest and how much they've broken down and everything else. So I just say I, I, I'm going to focus primarily on potassium. That's the main thing you're going to lose. But just keep soil testing, and I, I'm not too worried about it. There are a lot of people that do this just fine. Uh, we do a lot of silage, for example, on our farm. I'm not worried about losing organic matter. But if there is enough time after harvest, it'd be nice to have a cover crop going in to help replace some of that lost organic uh, matter, and or especially organic material, I guess, really, that we're talking there. But it's not necessary. Uh, it's just that's one of the things that I would like to do if I could. And you, you need to do reduced till or, like I say, preferably no till. Yeah. The other thing is manure. And if we can get, if we can get manure out there every time you're taking stocks yeah, off, that's kind, 
kind of always been our strategy. If we have to give up uh, the the stocks for the livestock, then get the manure back from the livestock on the ground. Now, uh, how much manure do you get back compared to how many stocks are going off? I I get that. Uh, The other thing that we like to do after our silage is we want to put a cover crop out there. And if if you have time to grow a cover crop, that could help you out with that um, organic matter percentage as well. Hey, Brian, I just sent you a soil test here. This one comes in from Carter. Uh, he said, all right, guys, I've got, uh, I'm down here, down in uh, Minnesota here, and I've got some six-inch samples for you to look at. I've got high pH, low PNK, uh, kind of higher base saturation calciums, really low base saturation potassiums. Now, I know that you talk about getting potassium up to 4 to 8%. Uh, but I'm worried about the cost per acre here, and I'm renting a lot of this ground. So I've been doing fertilizer removal recs, uh, but we we definitely noticed that P and K availability is a big part of lower yields here, uh, and we've seen that in plant tissue tests. Uh, I also want to ask yep. you about sulfur because I do apply dry AMS. I feel like I'm getting a response on that. So my questions are, first of all, uh, what would you do in this kind of ground to maximize return and hopefully increase yield. I've got, um, well, he says uh, lighter, sandier soils, but the soil test that came in, Carter, says 24 CEC. So yeah. that that's in, in the grand scheme of things, comparing yeah. to soils all around the world, uh, that doesn't sound like a, a really light soil. It might be light for your area, but it's still got pretty good holding capacity. Yeah, that's great holding capacity. What we would tell you to do, and we talk about this quite often, if you are renting ground, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go talk to the landlord and say, look, I can get more yield if I can broadcast fertilizer and build things up for the next 10 years. But if I may lose the ground in the next year or two, I can't do that. And I'll show you the soil test. Here's what the soil tests look like. So I'd like to build up your ground, but I just, I'm not willing to do that unless if you said, okay, if I lose the ground in a year or two, however much I built the soil test, you reimburse me for that. But not many landlords are going to be willing to do that. So if you can't work something out with your landlord, then my advice is always just go strip till. That's what we, we do on our farm. If we're trying to get the most uptake out of the fertilizer in the short term, that will work well for you. And then I wouldn't focus so much on the soil tests. What I would focus on is I, I'm going to put out what the crop needs, but then I'm going to put just a little bit more too. Because you are short, then that will help overcome that a little bit, and it'll change your ratios both in the soil in that area and in the plant. But, yeah, the magnesium to potassium thing is a really big deal, and in a 24 CEC soil, I'll guarantee you, Darren, I haven't even looked at the soil test, he's got some magnesium to deal with. Not he's ridiculously got, got high, 81%, 81% calcium and 17 to 18% magnesium. Right, 17 to 18%. And the problem is if that K is below 2%, he's not in good shape. Well, do you have zero point, 0.6% K, 0.6. It's 60. Tell me the parts per million 60. on magnesium to potassium. Oh, uh, magnesium is uh, 514 parts per million. Potassium is 60. Yep, which means... Yeah, K should be at least 260. It needs to be at least a 2 to 1 ratio of magnesium to potassium. Otherwise, you got excess magnesium in the plant and not enough potassium. They directly compete against each other. And and I get it, Carter. It, and on rented ground, yeah, like Brian was saying, if your landlord won't 
work with you on this. It's not going to happen, but you can, you can always rent different ground or, uh, I know that's hard to do sometimes. Uh, the other thing you can do is the band, the fertilizer brand or saying strip till, yeah. but however you could yeah, ban that, it. you can, yeah, you can kind of overload that, that zone where your seed's going to be right. and, and your plant's going to grow and, and try and make that a good environment. You know, same thing. Your next question was, would elemental sulfur be a better source uh, than AMS because uh, it could also lower pH. I don't know that it's going to make that much difference. You get an 8.2 pH unless you can improve drainage. Uh, I don't think elemental sulfur is going to be an option. Plus, it's really expensive. Uh, yeah, but one of the things holding him back is just his low K. That's part of why the pH is so high. He's got potassium out of balance, and I don't know what else. Yeah, and the other but last question. It's hard to fix the whole soil when you don't own it. Yes. And the last question you had is what about products that could perhaps help utilize the, the uh, phosphorus that's in the soil? The challenge is the phosphorus is four parts per million in an Olson test. So there just isn't much phosphorus out there to begin with. Um, if you had more phosphorus, yes, I, I would say they would probably help. But if there just isn't any, I, I don't know that they're going to make phosphorus out of nothing. Um, he mentioned source from sound ag. Yeah, that could help. Uh, NutriCharge, another good product for, for helping uh, protect phosphorus and, and keep it available longer. But I, I kind of agree with Brian. We just need to get more parts per million of P and K out there. And if we could do it in a band, that would be the most economical way to do it on rented ground. Hey, thanks, Carter. We appreciate the, the soil test that you sent in and good luck to you here this year. Uh, Mike sent this in. He said, I've got a field with a Canada thistle problem, and it's going to be in corn this year. It's got a rye cover crop out there currently, um, and it's going, to, oh, it's going to be corn for the next two years. My major weeds, palmer and lamb's quarters, but also this Canada thistle issue. Uh, my pH is 7 to 8, and I'm a 20 CEC. What do you guys like if I had a two-pass herbicide program with Canada thistle and palmer and lamb's quarters in mind? Sure start or triple flex down, round up plus, I mean, something post-emerge. Now, if you want to throw in status, you can, but I'd prefer HVPD, I mean, for this thistle. So, um, and the reason why I say that is the roundup needs a little time to get into the plant. The status is going to shut that plant down a lot quicker, and you're not going to get as much permanent kill out of the thistle, but... You know, you, you're not going to run a super high rate of Roundup anyway. So I, let's put it this way. If the Palmer is a disaster, you have to go status plus Roundup. If it's not, then I'm thinking HPPD plus Roundup. Yeah, the, the big thing with the Canada thistle is if you can leave that root system intact, you can pump Roundup down into the roots or you could pump Stinger down into the roots and kill that plant completely. You got two years here of corn. Get after it. You can wipe that stuff out so you don't have to deal with it again. Good luck to you. I the think great thing is the Stinger has good soil residual, and so that's why I would start with the Sure Starter Triple Flex. That gives you the Stinger. You don't have to worry about carryover because you're going to corn for two years, so, go, so run the highest labeled rate. And you should be in pretty good shape. All right. Uh, fast question here is from Thomas up in Wisconsin. We've got a little snow on frozen ground right now, but the temperature is going to be in the mid-40s next week. Can we spread fertilizer or should we wait? Hmm. The calendar says no. It doesn't. I mean, I'm still looking at the calendar. It's mid-February. Normally, you're not planting till April. I'd wait for a little while if it's me. Could you do it? Yes. 
All right. Thanks for the question, Thomas. I know everybody's... Oh, make sure you know your laws, too. I mean, there are some states that are going to regulate you on that. Yeah, everybody's getting excited about spring. It's still a little ways away, unfortunately. Thanks for the question, though. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.